0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Cocaine Cowboys, the deadly rise of Ireland's drug lords. The live show is on sale now. We're on the road on February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick. February 15th in Cork's Everyman Theatre, and on Sunday 18th, we're back at Dublin's Three Olympia. April takes us to Galway's Town Hall Theatre, Killarney's INEC, and Belfast's Waterfront Studios. Check mcd.ie or venue for ticket sales.
0: Michael Daly and Wells were probably at the scene, and, and they, they talk about it in his trial that there was uh, there was something like 10 people involved in the plot altogether. And there was a suspicion that there was a number of ex-British military who'd been hired by the gang. Presumably the likes of Michael Daly was still free and they actually carried out reconnaissance to see if they could help them escape, you know, on the journey between Cork Prison and the courthouse to see if they could spring them.
2: I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The fate of the crew of the MV Matthew will be played out in court in the coming years as the state makes moves to seize the highly valuable ship. But those who organised the doomed cocaine plot should have considered an earlier plan to use Ireland's coastline and one that went spectacularly wrong. Today I'm talking with Eamon Dillon and Niall Donald about the infamous undoing of the crew of the lucky day and a bit of bad luck on Dunlock Bay. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. The story of the MV Matthew continues, albeit there's people before the courts and their stories no doubt will play out in the next few years to come. Um, But the state are moving to try and seize the boat, which is worth a lot of money. And obviously then that will be sold on and the revenues will go into the state coffers. But um, it seems to me that uh, the plot, the M.V. Matthew plot to move cocaine across the world, that those behind it, maybe high, on high who directed it, would be have been well off to read the story of another cocaine plot. 16 years previous, that also came a cropper due to our rugged coastline. Yeah. Bad weather, but mostly bad luck. And Eamon, you were writing recently about the crew of the lucky day who were jailed on massive sentences and how they're still in prison.
0: Yeah, 16 and a half years ago. Oh my God. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, these were a very organized group. Um, I mean, there was there was there was the trial of the three guys in in, in Ireland who were caught, and they they initially got like hefty sentences, 30 years and 25 years. Um, and, and a 30 year sentence, some of those are reduced. The, the ver- various ones were reduced, but, um, it just, show, yeah, it just shows you how, um, a tricky it can be. I mean, there's a huge amount of investment. I know in, in the, in the court case, the court cases and in the, the subsequent appeals, which was reading up on there, uh, there was, you know, it was estimated like 350,000, you know, pounds or sorry, euro would have been spent in setting up this operation, mm. um, I think it might have been more than that. I mean, I'm not sure if the, the price of the cocaine was involved. That was just in terms of I think that was like, just the logistics. Yeah, that was the, the ribs and the you know and 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 the jeeps that they bought and and renting the houses. And it was something like, you know, it it, it added up. I mean, the, the the two ribs on their own and their outboard engines were something like a hundred thousand euro. And then of course there was the 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 lucky day yacht that had sailed from South America. That was bought, I think I forget what it was bought for. I know it was sold at auction sometime later for fifty-eight thousand.
2: Um we're going so, mean, go through this, and we'll just sort of like I suppose untangle what went wrong. <laughs> well, I suppose ultimately it was all going
0: really well yeah. until the the uh, I suppose the engine on on one of the ribs bringing in the sixty two or sixty five bales of of uh, cocaine uh, started to sputter, and it turns out that one of the the junior member of the gang had put diesel instead of petrol into the engine, and despite all the the kind of the hard work, it was gale force six. They'd gone out to 30 miles out at sea to meet, uh, to meet, to meet the, the lucky. Lucky day, catamaran. Lucky day, catamaran, and uh, which is not an easy thing to have done. Um And transferred, you know, 1.5 tons of drugs and then get back to shore. They were almost back. They were within sight of, you know, a major payday only for this to happen. It was Jerry Hagen who'd managed to swim ashore and got out and knocked on the door of, a, a you know, a, a local man looking for help. He said that he, he was, had there was an accident, you know, they'd fallen out of the boat. Uh, and they, they needed help there was still a man in the water but please don't call the police or the coast guard um, but of course he did um the coast guard on scene was it was now kind of early morning um in in this kind of summer storm and people kind of queued up i think on the, on the uh the headland to watch it at the time um needless to say it was quite interesting because the man in the water would later turn out to be Wandon, it was one of the gentlemen who is still Wondon, serving, yeah. Martin Wandon, sorry, who is still serving his time here in Ireland. He was the guy there floating with the sixty-two bales of uh, of cocaine.
2: So where is Wandon now? He's still in Port Leash prison.
0: Portlaoise, um, and he has more or less been there since since he was imprisoned. He's gone through different appeals. Um, I, th- I think I uh, think he did get his thirty-year sentence reduced. He was reduced to twenty-three, and he's what he's sixty. Who 61 now, I think, or 62, mm. and, and he's due out next year. So he will, like he's he's nearly there. But I mean, some of some of these cases were there were, I mean, they all appealed him. Um, of course, Jared Hagen was the only guy. He was the youngest of the group. He, he was the only guy who pled he. guilty. Yeah. yeah. And funnily enough, then he was transferred to do his time in Kirkpatrick prisons in 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 uh, in, in the UK. And of course, did a runner oh. when he was released on license, I think, or or he was on temporary release. And he was kind of three or four years a fugitive in Spain before he was sent back. But I they wonder, worried. did
2: he ever put diesel in a petrol <laughs> engine again? you ever done that in a car i have, have you, I, I knew have. you would have uh, only I actually only, knew actually only, knew only
1: would have. a tiny bit of it and what happened on. no it was okay but like it, it was Wait, went way about, around? about one euro a diesel in a petrol car you know and it was actually it can be washed out unless you if you but if it's you a you disaster
2: go, though yeah. if you drive it yeah. do tank, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when you do a full tank
1: yeah yeah when you do a full tank
2: you do a full tank I know somebody who did it. I actually amazingly haven't done it yeah but i am paranoid because That's I which. know quite a few people actually who have done it yeah the car has to be taken up and it does splutter to a Stop and the engine is almost destroyed. But I suppose let's um, have a look at this plot and how it was arranged and what was the plan and who were the people involved. Because this really is a fascinating story and there's been documentaries and all made on this. And I still can see that footage of those bales of cocaine floating yeah. around Dunlock Bay. And I think poor Al Martin Wandon was actually filmed as he was brought in to the pier when he was rescued, the cameras were there waiting for him. I mean, what must he have <laughs> felt like?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was big news. It was an incredible story
2: when you incredible think about story. it. I
0: mean, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't It was even, in a sense, it wasn't a seizure of cocaine. It was a discovery of a, a huge cache of cocaine that was the biggest at the time. I mean, the estimates, you know, in, in through the court documents are from 108 million to 440 million, depending on at what level it, it gets sold at. I mean, the
1: the reality is that they would have got away with it except for that disaster. I mean, they weren't the MV Matthews certainly seems a lot more that they're they're the, you know, there was information and intelligence going on. But in this case, I mean, if they'd managed to put the petrol in properly, they would have got away with it. It was absolutely no. or the diesel. <laughs> it you was with them. It would have happened. <laughs> but I mean, it, they, all they, over again. it wasn't an intelligence-led operation. You
2: would no. wonder how many times it had worked before. Exactly. Because it really was with military precision that it was planned. So the characters involved
1: They weren't were, normal sort of drug gang people they were sort of
2: older they were um, and you'll have to brush up on this totally because we're going to be talking okay. about this on Cocaine Cowboys the live show because yeah. I think this is one of the most fascinating stories and it comes at a time when um, you know we're right in the height of the, the Celtic Tiger times when cocaine is absolutely flooded around Ireland and of course in the UK it's worth so much they tried to ship 1.5 tonnes of it uh, on these boats right and we kind of estimate that their investment in that was 1 million dollars yeah it cost them the lucky day boat which was purchased in florida um, cost around 110,000 dollars okay so we're 1.1 $1. 1 million and then you have a figure there for 350,000 about for the other items they needed for this plot so we're coming up to 1.5 million and on 1.5 tons, you'd have been making what back then? Hundred and fifty million.
1: Well, possibly. 100? I mean, yeah. I mean, they're certainly they're wholesaling it out there, so they they would have made it. Look, so you
2: can see why you take the risk.
1: But I mean, they seem to have been sort of independent operators in a sense. They really are transporters, aren't they? They're like they're not um, necessarily members of this broader criminal network. Like, no,
2: this is their network, but we don't know. I suppose it never came to light whether or not this had worked for them before. I mean, certainly Martin Wandon, who was one of them, he was the rib driver. He was this sort of seaman who was brilliant at, at maneuvering ribs in all sorts of weather. And he was a friend of these two brothers, Joe Daly and Michael Daly. And Michael Daly was an ex-cop from the UK, he'd made it to detective sergeant in the drug squad over there. And there'd been a series of kind of mishaps in his life. He had sort of left early, I think, had become a taxi driver and had a drink driving problem with that and obviously had learned maybe a lot of um, skill set from his previous life as a cop. But Michael Daly was sort of seen as the organiser, along with a friend of his called Alan Wells, who was known as Big Al. They were the two guys in charge. And Joe Daly was a construction worker who'd kind of hit a wobble and probably needed some money. I don't think Daly had any previous convictions or any previous time in this. Wandon was their childhood friend. And then there was a couple of others that I don't think have ever been identified, a money man, whatever. But they got together to plan how to get the drugs over. They obviously had wholesalers, connections with wholesalers um, in Venezuela, I think maybe.
1: Yeah, and, Which is where a lot of the drugs are still coming through from South America, it's,
2: and there was forensic work done to show that the drugs came from a
0: particular part of Colombia. So obviously, went through Venezuela and was seen as, I suppose, at that time it would have been a shipping route. I think things have changed a bit now, but at that stage it would have been a shipping route through the Caribbean. It was the main route at that time for the for the certainly for the the. the the cartels at that stage. And, and of course then don't forget the Dailies then had their own local connection in West Cork in that they, their family yes, was they were. there and the, the father was is, is uh, was living in West Cork at the time so while they were very much based in the UK they knew the area, They presumably they had been there on holidays as kids and to some extent had the inside knowledge of you know that the whole kind of uh, Bearer Peninsula would have been you know an area to, to get into. Where there's lots of places for landing, they were going to go to uh, Sheep's Head, which mm. was a good bit around. I was checking it on the map there. Yeah. So you know, I mean, they launched in Glen so they would have gone past Bear Island. So people who've been on holidays would know that. Went out to sea, and when they were coming back, they basically ended up Dunlock Bay, which would be directly south of the Bear, Bear Peninsula, right on the tip of the peninsula. So, I mean, you know, it's a really kind of wild spot.
2: Yeah.
0: And definitely not a place to be in a drifting boat, you know, in, yeah. a, in But not six. a
2: place that there would be too many eyes on you if you were trying to do this transfer, if it had happened no. more smoothly.
0: No. And, and I mean, and, and as you say, like, they were, were, they were, they took the cover of, you know, being, you know, wealthy English people. People like you know hanging out in West Cork as 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 one does. Yeah. You know it it's its it is it it is a wild place and it's 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 a fabulous attractive place for tourists to go, and they try to stick with that even in the, the immediate aftermath. You know, I mean, you you mentioned uh, Perry Warren and Joe Daly had had you know they slipped away. They actually they ran across through fields. Mm. And they were hiding, um, like they in kind a of felt they were being they were being pursued. Yeah, and when they were eventually arrested, they were in a dishevelled state. So I mean, they'd been living out in the open for all that time. Yeah, you know, like, uh, and and again, you know, they were trying to insist that look, I was just out for a walk, and a friend of mine happened to phone me to say his boat had run out of petrol, and I was going to help him. And they, you know, like all of those guys, Perry Worry, Joe Daly, Wandon, they all stuck to their you know, to their flimsy stories. Yeah. They all had, you know, well, not all of them, but but certainly... false um, passports and everything. Martin Wondon had three different ones. You know, mm-hmm. Perry Wari was initially, you know, Andrew Woodcraft. And, you know, they had to kind of... The guards, as part of their investigation, went through all of this. I mean, the only person who did put his hands up was, was Jer Hagen, uh, which is why he got 10 years, as opposed to, you know, the much stiffer sentence the rest of them got. Which looks like a, a clever decision at this and, stage. Which, and I like,
2: quote from yeah. the, one of the barristers of the court case that he was the idiot who put diesel in the petrol engine. Um, So it was March 2007 when the lucky day was bought in Florida, right? And it was sailed to an island called Margarita off the coast of Venezuela, where it stayed for a couple of weeks and then moved onwards to Barbados before setting sail across the Atlantic on the exact same route that the MV Matthew took um, earlier this year. So Hagen was on board that with two Lithuanian crewmen and he was sort of in charge of the journey. He had been a car valet in Spain and uh, must have known the dailies. I mean, certainly they didn't just pluck them from nothing. Um, so Joe Daly and Martin Wanden came to Cork. They hired houses. Um, these two ribs arrived on the boat, which looked like you know something for them to play with during the summer. Uh, a couple of Range Rovers arrived. But in an outhouse in these remote holiday um cottages they started to dissemble them you know they want they knew obviously what they were they were going to have to get this the rib would have had seats and stuff in it for for passengers they needed them out so they'd room for the cocaine and the range rovers had to be the back seats had to be taken out and ready at the pier for the collection of it and um, periwari who is a guy periwari had been involved in some sort of a robbery in which a policeman an off-duty police officer was shot and was jailed in England, think had spent most of his sentence, had served most of his sentence, maybe got temporary release or something, and never went back to prison. So essentially was on the run, but nobody would have recognized him in Cork. He came. and they hung out and they waited and waited. and um they all the while tracked the lucky day as she made her way across to Ireland. So it was July second when the Lucky Day pulled in 30 miles off the coast to some sort of a navigation point. And during that night, the early hours of the morning, Wandon had left to meet the boat out there. And of course, the lucky day had traveled so far it needed diesel. So he'd brought two big buckets of diesel to give to it so it could go on to its destination once the cocaine was transferred. And um I think they were only half a mile from shore. Yeah. When it all went wrong pear-shaped, shaped, all right, in a in a, in a <laughs> public,
0: very public fashion. Yeah, I mean, it, the one good thing though to come out of it was, um, and and if you go through all the different reports at the time, it's sixty one bales, it's sixty three bales, yeah. it's sixty five bales, and this is even like stuff on on you know the in the appeals court. Yes. there's different references. there's sixty three and sixty five. So, well, that was the whole point. And if you remember, the young offenders movie was inspired yeah, by this whole true. thing, where we wouldn't have had you know Connor and Jock only for the Dunlock Bay. Yeah, really. You know, would they set off on their their stolen bicycles to Dude. to look for the the missing bale of cocaine? <laughs> yeah. So brilliant. So it was not all bad.
2: Yeah. So I mean, there was definitely this unseasonable storm had blown up, but they did transfer it, which would have been the kind of most difficult thing to do to transfer the bales, and it was the the problem with the engines, of course. Um, so Hagen swam to shore, I'm half a mile out. Yeah, Hagen was the man who got ashore and Wondon just couldn't,
0: he, he was he was stuck like, um you know, in, in the flotsam, you know, basically the bales. Um, like, like the Jaws scene where yeah. the man is hanging on to the, <laughs> Just couldn't move. Yeah. I mean, like, and but even that, like, they, they found in one of the bales um, evidence that they would use against him, against Wondon, like, I think it was a mobile phone that he'd been using or a satellite phone or a GPS or something like that to help him meet up. And there was other documents, you know, stuff that had been left. And then even the rib, when it was recovered, had you know fingerprints on it and all that yeah. kind of stuff. They they you know they certainly hadn't expected. I mean, what was coming their way? I suppose they they couldn't have. Um, but uh, but the thing is, like the, uh, the the lucky day, like you know, continued on its way, and it was it was it wasn't until it was sometime later when they obviously people were tracking back what had happened, um, and it was off the coast of Spain, and the Spanish authorities were the ones who went out and intercepted it, and it was it was tied up in La Coruña, in northern Spain, for quite a while.
2: Is that where the Lithuanian crew members were and, tried and then?
0: And, and then they, they were arrested. They were certainly arrested there. Mm. Um, so, and so they, they were picked up, but there was definitely, you know, I mean, we know now, like, you know, that Michael Daly and Wells were probably at the scene and, and they, they, they talk about it in his trial that there was, uh, there was something like 10 people like involved in the plot altogether. So there was a couple of people managed to to get away with it. I, th- I think there was people named, I think, in the, the UK media as, uh, you know, as still being wanted mm-hmm. and believed to be in Spain at this stage.
2: Because, of course, um, Joe Daly and Periwari were standing on the pier with the Range Rovers ready and another driver who was going to drive one of the Range Rovers. And, of course, as people started coming down to the pier, the lifeguards, you know, locals, police, they... Their Range Rovers actually got jammed in, right. and they couldn't even get them out. Right. They ran for the for the fields. They realised they were absolutely, completely, and utterly goosed. And, um, and they were
0: soaked through as well. I mean, there is the suspicion that they had ended up in the water as well. Tried to, try whether, to whether grab was, a bale. <laughs> or whether it was to rescue uh, their 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 colleague Martin, mm. or, or <laughs> to grab a bale yeah, well, yeah, and, but- and cut and run.
1: I mean we he ultimately he was he London already had a previous conviction I think did he for, for Yeah
0: trafficking? He, got, he got 2 years in absent absentee in yeah. in France in 2005 for drug smuggling um so I mean he he'd have and and, and he he did have he
2: other... he have to serve still then after would he when he's eventually
0: released from here No and, and as far as I understand it in France if you're if you're if you're tried and and convicted in absentia as was um some other people from from Ireland uh what happens then is that if you do, you know, come within reach of the French authorities, you go back and they retry you,
1: right. so,
0: you know, and but you're, you're held in custody um, yeah. on the basis of that, but you are retried again.
1: But they don't necessarily seek extradition. So if he lands in France, he will be arrested and, and charged.
2: But he, of course, was living out in South Africa in luxury. He had a partner and a child out there and he had a couple of houses.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the Sunday World tracked them down at the time didn't we? And we have yeah, pictures was, of it.
2: Yeah, very time. much
0: a kind of a, you know, they were coming across as as kind of wealthy property developers living very much the, the, you know, the country club set, you know, tennis courts and cocktails in the afternoon, this sort of thing. But yeah, but uh, I mean, his wife died tragically, like pretty much immediately after his arrest or within weeks of it in in Dunlock Bay. So, mm. I mean, from a personal point of view, uh, <clears throat> I'm sure it was very tough for the family, the young child at the time who was obviously... Was enforced estrangements I suppose you're serving in high security prison. Like. Mm. And do we know how they got on in prison? Like these these English drug dealers, were they? They did. They,
1: they never really appeared as. No,
2: sort one of, got on well, didn't they He got nicely with some of the Gilligan gang.
0: And yeah, and he would they, would. they would. They both would have been there at the time when Gilligan was was on that wing, and you know uh, John Daly, the thingless yeah. drug dealer, no relation, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a, they would have been there with all those guys, you know, and Trevor Byrne like, would have been on that wing yeah. at, at one point as a much younger man. And then, of course, they would have been there as well when Gilligan more or less kind of hid behind the door for his time when when uh, uh, Brian Meehan, the tosser, kind of uh, ended his self-imposed exile in the base and rejoined that wing. But there was a bit of tension, apparently, I think, between between Warrie and the tosser at one point, um, mm. we did we did cover it at that at that stage. But I mean, but certainly, like in all the repeals there's been it's have been filled, you know, with testimonies from various people in the prison service about you know how well they behaved and you know whatever courses and presumably classes they've taken part in, although. We did run it. There was a story at the time like during the trial which was held in Cork and, you know, it was Cork Circuit Court um, where, where this all went, you know, despite the sentences, you know, it just, hmm. you know, it, it doesn't all happen in the central criminal no. court. Yeah. Um, uh, and there was a suspicion that there was a number of ex-British military who had been hired by the gang. Presumably, you know, the likes of Michael Daly was still free and hmm. they actually carried out reconnaissance to see if they could help them escape, you know, on the journey between Cork prison and uh, and the courthouse to see if they could spring them. So, I mean, now, that, that was mooted at the time. it was I think it was seriously considered and there was really tight security yeah. at the time around that trial. I mean, it's phenomenal sentences that they
1: received. I don't think...
2: Was you- that a, like a message, I suppose, because, you know, for a long time there, you had the coast of Ireland, you know, being seen as vulnerable yeah. to drug traffickers using all those remote piers and everything to try and land and of course there's a straight line isn't there if you draw it across the sea yeah. you touch off that coast or you head over towards Spain but um, there I think it was nearly was it a message
1: well I think it probably was I mean I think this, this you know I don't know I can't think of anybody else who's got 30 years in prison for mm. drug offences in in Irish history, now you have to say who else has been, been caught attached yeah. to a
2: bale of cocaine yeah, 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 floating in the sea? Forty million are not common
1: either, like you know. Yeah.
0: But I, I think part of the reason, and again, it's it's touched in in all the appeal documents um, or the judgments rather, and the, like there's basically no mitigation. That mm. he's are here are people who are well resourced. They're not young. They're not addicted to drugs. Like they're not. They're not, not, not being forced into it. Uh, it's, they're doing it for money. They're doing it for pure greed, and they're going, you know, make, going to a lot of trouble, and you know, uh, and and you know, very well organized, high level group of criminals who are conspiring together, working together, mm. and spending a lot of money to bring in a lot of drugs and to make even more money. So there's no mitigating factor. No, it's a, it's, it's a, pure greed. It's
1: business like they're they're doing it mm-hmm. as
0: for solely for profit and financial
1: gain. And of course these guys probably if they hadn't been caught may have continued to do it for a long time. They would probably would never have appeared in papers. You know, newspapers would have covered, like I was reading an article over over the weekend there about uh, gangs in Liverpool. So all those guys end up in prison and end up in the papers and they're ended mm. up in shootings and local feuds. But there is a layer on top of them that that supply them with guns and drugs, of course, and, you know, probably never suffer the consequences of their actions in the same way that those kind of, you know, young guys in their 30s do.
2: Um You'd wonder, like, how many more of these sort of gangs there are that, you know, haven't been so unlucky and have been landing yeah. cocaine successfully. And like, I remember somebody coast.
1: saying, didn't saying it, uh, somebody telling me, somebody told them, there's loads of those older guys. They're not guys. They're guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s that are up to it and you've never heard their names. Because
2: they're businessmen. Of course, we had um, Philip Barron in exactly. Straffan, the, the baron of Caldera, who actually was, caught, but was running a, you know, hundreds of million euro cocaine business and they had a proper profit and loss sheet. And that's what actually yeah. got them because they, all the losses were listed just just as that. Just like if you're in a supermarket and, you know, somebody knocked over a a shelf of drink and it all smashed that'd be just a loss and it was just unfortunate and that was it Yeah, and rather they weren't, than going out killing someone no
0: or kneecapping
2: people for yeah. 15 quid we're kind of teaching everybody how to <laughs> we're kind <gonna> of <laughs> teaching everybody how to do a good cocaine plot here are we? Uh, well,
0: no but I mean there, there is I mean uh, that was something I think it was an interview with Felix McKenna after he retired from cab Um, I remember we were speaking to him about one of the carousel Vafrods, Um, and it was uh, again it was a guy based in Limerick who was very much kind of a young you know, go-getting Celtic Tiger Cub on the face of it, but was in fact a, an out-and-out criminal who was just, you know, spinning, uh, uh, you know, a, a bunch of, of of high-tech goods back and forth in couriers and claiming the VAT back through a whole bunch of fake companies in the UK and making 17 million per twist, you know, and it was up to huge numbers, was mm. eventually tried in the UK. I think the trial collapsed. And kind of, I think it uh, I think it really, it put pressure on the UK's version of the Criminal Assets Bureau at the time. I think they, they wound it up and started a new version of it after that. Um, but I mean, like Felix McKenna at the time was saying like, well, he got caught because he was greedy. And he, says, he said, like, he didn't tell me who they were, but he said there's dozens of people in business who do that every so often, every four or five years, they'll do a one spin of that carousel VAT fraud and they don't get caught. And, you know, if you do it right and give it, you know, give it a good spin, put a single spin, you can make 20, 25 million. I mean, there was a big case just this week in Europol, and it was, was, I think it was mostly um, Czech and Bulgarian and some other countries, and it was an 85 million carousel VAT fraud, which it's, 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 It's simple. If you're able that setting up companies, if you if you know what products that aren't going to be targeted by customs, like the one this week mentioned by Europol, I think it was it was 200 sets of AirPods that were being shipped around constantly. Uh, There was another one one time uh, between Sweden and Denmark, and it was the same suitcase full of gold bars kept going through, and the VAT was you know, and they were being sold to bogus companies who disappear after claiming the VAT back, and you know, and it's all because there's different. uh, there's different levels of fat between EU countries, and but well, I suppose the point is that there's a whole layer of these criminals, yeah, these are. criminals who are, are working away and know when to stop or know how to. Yeah. And, and to see, attack. this is
1: the other thing. Like, I, not
0: addicted I, I, to it, then maybe. Well,
1: they're not maybe doing it every week. Yeah, like I think there are guys who do it. These guys may have been a good case. They do it once a year, one big, mm. one big, one big, cake one big job, and then let it be and live off mm. the proceeds. They're not doing it every, you know. Can't you see
2: as well? I mean, we talk about this massive amount of money and maybe I'm completely off. Am I with my 150 million? Well, really? <laughs> likely. I'd say Bro, you're likely I, off.
0: I, I actually think it's higher. You think I, it's yeah, higher? I think it's
2: higher. Yeah, it must be. 1.5 tons.
0: Yeah. It would definitely, I mean, the, I mean, if, if you're talking, about even if they did spend 1.5 million, which I doubt, I mean, like, I mean, the courts were estimating that their logistics side of it was 300,000 and i mean and nobody was getting a fee they were probably going to get a share or maybe, yeah. i mean uh, maybe hagen was going to get a, a straightforward fee i think i think wells was promised 100,000 pounds sterling for his role in setting up the logistics but like in terms of you know 1.5 tons you know whatever mm. what 1500 kilos i mean you, i mean how much do you buy that for in in no, I
1: presume they weren't. They weren't out there selling, selling it in small amounts. They'd have a couple of yeah. three or four people to take.
2: Well, there were. It was. So it was like headed it. for the UK. Yeah,
1: probably market probably on have, that on
2: yeah. the ferries then, which would have been the next risk, really, with those Range Rovers moving it. Um, but you know, I think as well. Sometimes you look at it and you think, oh, this money, this is never-ending zeros on it. But there's a lot of hands in the pot here, isn't there as well? It would be, That'll but, be it, but if the pot is three hundred million after yeah. after all your costs. You like know you, you can afford to have a few, <laughs> yeah, you can afford yeah. to
0: have a few. Like <laughs> it's
2: kinda like a big But you can see it all as well. They'd get jealous if oh, one earned oh no, more. And...
0: but it's
1: a big heist, is it? I mean, I yeah. suppose it's the equivalent that you see in, in Goodfellas or those films that they have this one big job and yeah, then you know that's it gets spread around. And I'm
2: sure they all and I certainly I, I know that uh, certainly Wandon did say it was to be his last. Yeah. You know, it was this and that was going to set him up. Yeah. Um. But you often hear of them saying it's going to be their last and then they're always looking for just one more big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it must be very tempting. But I mean, it's, it's such a Hollywood plot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, where's yeah. Netflix? A man brought out a
0: retirement. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. A journalist brought <laughs> yeah. out a retirement for <laughs> one last story.
1: And dodgy cops, dodgy <laughs> cops and everything. <laughs> Wasn't it? Um, the, the, the guy, American uh, gangster, what's it? Frank... uh Frank can't remember. Frank Abigail, is it? Yeah, the... the Anyway, just forget okay. that. Sorry, I <laughs> can't remember
2: the story. I don't know.
1: I can remember the story. I Just can't remember his name. But basically, I'll Google it for you. So American gangster, Do you know the one with Denzel Washington.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> one. Tell us the story while I'm googling. So it. as
1: soon as he he like he was Frank Lucas <clears throat> Frank Lucas, who was probably the biggest. He was the biggest heroin dealer in the US in his day, and he flew over and obviously made a direct connection in Southeast Asia and was bringing heroin back personally, like a black man at the time, which was unheard of. But he got, he did whatever, I think it was 20 years. And the second he got out, spent a few months going straight and then an opportunity came and he just had to take that one last job just yeah. to get back on his feet with a, a couple of million. Yeah, And like, I think
2: that is the mentality. There. It is because the spend is just so off the scale. It's like if we got, if we managed to bring mm. cocaine into the country, Hmm. and we took our cuts, we'd be okay with that because we kind thought of thought it was cigarettes you were going to. Yeah. I was going to do cigarettes before, yeah, but then I just think, yeah, I'll just go for the cocaine. I'll just go all out for the cocaine. You know you shouldn't really be saying that. But, but anyway, um, but if we did it and we each got, say, 30 million, that would yeah. do me for the rest of my days. I wouldn't you'd, be going back for another invest, job. You'd invest it wisely. It would just do me for the rest yeah. of my days quite nicely. Yeah. Um, whereas if you have a lifestyle already, Yeah. That is probably costing you millions and millions and millions a year. You know, all of a sudden, your 30 million doesn't last you that no, long. No,
1: but you can also see, just just have to do this one thing and I'll just get that extra yeah. bit that'll keep me... It's
2: sort of like, over. you know, you wonder sometimes with with crime, is the real addiction to the crime, to the yeah. actual, you know... To the
1: high of the action. Exactly. Yeah, I, no, I think there definitely is because if you look, if you look back on the amount of money... Yeah, These guys could make, you know, they're talented people sometimes. They probably could have just made it legitimately. Just in a season. slower
2: fashion. In a slower fashion. And a more boring but, one. But there is an
0: element to, I think, to the Dunlock Bay story as well, in that sometimes there's these, for, I suppose for lack of a better word, an organic kind of groups pop up. And, you know, and again, talking about the people that we've never yeah. heard of who are dealing with, yeah. there's never a slowdown in supply. Mm-hmm. I mean, despite what happens Cocaine is going to be there. The heroin is going to be there. And there's no doubt. There's a every so often, you know, people dip in and dip out of the market. They have a contact who they can sell it to. And some drug gang are happy to leave him. This guy is good for ten kilos twice a year. Leave him at it. Let's you know. We know he's getting it from such a such a crowd or whatever. Mm. Or they don't know where he's getting it from. But the stuff is good, so they're happy to do business with him. Yeah, and there's of course an endless demand. I think is the point. So there's
1: no. It's the only difficulty. It's not supply and demand. Is as somebody says. It's. There's only a supply business, the demand is ta- is guaranteed. Mm. You're never gonna not be able to sell it.
0: No. But but there is three parts with now, which we're we were talking about as well previously, that um, you know, you, okay, you have to be able to source your your goods, whether it's from South Africa, which we know that the Dunlock Bay guys had a direct contact. Mm. Um and then there's the logistics, which they were almost mm. had perfectly right yeah. apart from the switch of, of yeah. diesel at yeah. the very end. But the third one now is that you have to be able to loan to your money. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah, know yeah. that and CAB are getting good at wrapping that up here. Yeah. But uh, and also the international And forces.
2: in South Africa, I think Wanden's houses were just whoosh, taken from him. Yeah. They were I don't know was there even a there probably was a. There probably was a, a judicial, legal process, judicial yeah. process, but I mean, I don't think there was any uh, question that he was going to get to keep any. of it.
1: no, no. I mean, I think it's yeah. Like I mean, the the money, the money trail. I think is is a thing that gets in. Maybe there are bits of it that get easier, easier to hide, and there's more mm. options. But I think the tracing of the money has become hugely sophisticated by the law enforcement. In, in so,
2: respects. even if we got away with it and I got my 30 million, and I thought it would set me up forever more, the cat would come and take it off. You'd have
1: to, well, unless you bought Bitcoin. But if, since you know don't we, know what Bitcoin are. I I
2: no, I don't like anything that I can't <laughs> see or touch.
1: Get yourself a Bitcoin farm. Just anyway. make sure to
2: feed them. So. These are just it's look, it's just one story amidst so many interesting, fascinating movie like You
1: don't want to end the saying I'm definitely not involved in the cocaine business. My no. name is the and I'm definitely not tobacco
2: <laughs> Just or, leave it, ha- smoke <laughs> just like leave it hanging there. An error an mystery. mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an air mystery about me. Um I mean what a, a, a story would that be if I It'd was. be a good one, yeah,
1: we'd definitely make the front page of the Sunday World, would it? <laughs> or we push it up.
2: We'll <laughs> <It'll> do it. <laughs> <laughs> I might make this on the Sunday Indo. I first. think you would. But anyway, would. so look, a fascinating story from the world of cocaine and cocaine cowboys. So thank you very much. Thanks, Nicola. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini If you like this show and love true crime, Leave us a review, or why not download the free Sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.
0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on,